0: Hello, and welcome to East Africa NGO Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hill. This program is brought to you by Team in Faith, supporting women, orphans, and vulnerable children in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. Today, I want to introduce you to Abraham Masareka, or should I say, Dr. Abraham. He is from a small town on the border with the Democratic Republic of Congo in western Uganda. I met him in 2013 when I visited his uncle, who I met the previous year in my first visit to Africa in South Sudan. Cleos asked me to bring young Abraham a laptop computer to help him with his medical studies, which I did. Since then, I've gotten to know and Become very impressed with this young man, his dedication, his humility, his determination to become a success in the medical field, to support his community and his family. Last November, I was in Uganda to visit some projects, and I made a point to visit Abraham, who six months earlier completed his medical training, his formal medical training. We had a chance to sit down and talk about his budding career. And I asked him how things were going.
1: Abraham, very nice to see you once again. Nice to see you, too. So tell me, how is your medical career going right now?
2: Currently, uh, my medical career is doing well. I'm currently employed at St. Paul Health Center 4, which is an upcoming hospital. They are, they are still processing and practicing license. Uh, currently, I'm attached to maternity ward. In a day, we receive about uh, over 20 cases. Around the five of them are referrals to more caesarean section because they come as emergencies. Currently, I'm a newly employed medical officer. Just to one month and a half old. And I'm not yet employed by the government of Uganda. I'm just in the private sector, and uh, I have hope of upgrading after working some money uh, around a the year. Then I go and upgrade. I join. I join medical school to make an obstetrician and a
1: gynecologist. So today, or on a normal, so you you, you are seeing women who are in labor, or are, are just about to ready for onset of labor, or there some complications? So
2: today, very early morning, I had to wake up. I went to labor to take mothers in labor, to assist them whether they will progress normally, or they whether, whether they need any interve- any other interventions. So currently, I left them, they are progressing normally. Mm. But in case of anything, I informed them. They are calling me back to go and intervene. I've already seen. The post-operatives, I operated around five patients yesterday, and all of them are doing well. One, there's one patient who was almost dying, came with an ectopic pregnancy rapture. She was, she had lost a lot of blood, mm. but uh, currently she's doing well. Wow, actually, it's my pride. That's the only case I'm proud of mm. because she was almost, she was unconscious. Pepper white, almost died, and I saved her life, and she's fine. I thank God for that.
1: Wow. Well, congratulations for that ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic
2: Raptured ectopic
1: pregnancy. That is, that is not a good thing for any it's, woman to endure. It's a problem
2: for any woman.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: she's doing well. Uh, we also have other patients, we see those ones, uh, and endo- infection in pregnancy, and all of them are seeing them. I always start my ward runs from 6 a.m. And actually I leave work at 5 p.m. That's day, day daytime duty. Then during evenings, my colleague takes over. If he's tired or if he's sick, I still continue. Sometimes I work for 24 hours. Mm. That's, we are doing a lot of work. Then pediatrics, I take care of neonates, Uh, neonatal care. In my neonates, if we deliver, maybe a neonate is tired, is asphyxiated, then I solve And they have been doing well. And finally, I discharge them. well. For medical conditions like diabetes, hypertensive emergency, diabetic emergency, stroke patients, we have been treating them, stabilize them, but for stroke patients, send them to Mbarara. For CT scan, brain CT scan. Surgical cases, they are interesting. Those one with perforated guts. We do resection on anastomosis. I'm a junior medical officer, but I have exposure. I have been, I've worked with surgeons, I've worked with pediatricians, physicians, internal, internists, gynecologists. So they have been teaching me and their conditional that I can handle. I just inform him, this, this, this case, I'm going in, I'm going to operate. Said okay, be operating. I'm around. So there's one patient who came with a perforated gut, small bowel. And they had typhoid. Mm-hmm. So I went and resected the bowel, anastomosed, and today he's eating. his well. He's discharged. <laughs> he's being well.
1: That's another case. So Abraham, back to the the mothers. Are emergency deliveries. Common, I, I mean, do you do more? Are there more? Is there a higher rate of cesarean, or do they do? Are there natural births, or what? What is happening?
2: Saint Paul Health Center for uh, uh, where it is positioned at their location, it uh, it receives referrals from the periphery health center twos and health center threes. So most of our cases are emergencies and and the charges. The patients are not charged high, so they prefer coming to this health centre for. That's the reason why we have a bit higher caesarean section rate. So some, the, the nearby hospitals are a bit expensive and the patients prefer coming to Saint Paul Health Centre for. But uh, sometimes they come as referrals, we are reassist them and find that they can deliver experimental delivery. Vagina. Mm-hmm. So I've performed, since I joined, I've performed over 20 vacuum deliveries. Vacune, uh, assisted the vaginal deliveries, I pulled the baby out.
1: But most and of the time, I, if there are no complications, they'll be delivered uh, elsewhere? If no,
2: if no complications, give them time. And we want augment them with the drugs and they push the baby. Okay.
1: Out. But if there were no complications, they wouldn't even come to your hospital. They would have just if, a midwife or, yes, or something else
2: they prefer being in those health center areas. Mm. But in most cases, they like being in the hands of doctors, because health center have no doctor. They are only midwives. So when they come to St. Paul, at least, we are five doctors on the ground. So at least they are sure they will be seen by a doctor.
1: So as a young doctor, you're probably a generalist. You're doing lots of different things. Do you have an idea about specialising in, in a certain area?
2: I'm interested specialising in obstetric and gynaecological care. That's a three-year course now at universities in Uganda. Then after that, I go and super specialise in, in fertility or assisted reproduction as a fellowship. Then I go on in that area. I wish to work anywhere if given opportunity, or study from anywhere given opportunity.
1: How was it that you decided as a young person that you wanted to become a doctor? Was there someone who inspired you? Were you exposed to a hospital when? setting? Or how, how did this even begin?
2: Uh, I was born in a village, very far, but uh, at home, we had a neighbor who did sciences, and he could always, for him he was in the advanced level, doing physics, mathematics, biology, and chemistry, and I was in his primary three. And whenever he could come back, he could always ask, because I could always perform. He could always ask for my report cards, and he appreciates. Whenever he comes for holidays, he asks how I perform. So, I have been following his his footpaths and uh, currently he's a he's a urologist. He's a gen he's a urologist. He's a surgeon. He has just completed from uh, India. Hmm. So I've been following up, and actually, when, when each step he has been guiding me. That's how I ended up following exactly what he's
1: doing. Well, he but be- for
2: me, I want to become an obstetrician. Hmm. For him, he's a general surgeon.
1: Well, he must be very proud of you then. He's,
2: a, he's one of my best friends. Mm. He's my mentor in the medical world.
1: That's great.
2: Mm. Only that now when I joined the university, you had financial problems. There are fees, but uh, people try their best at everything. they been trying.
1: Yeah, the medical school experience for you was a challenge for your family, and that's when I got to, to meet you. Tell us a story about how your father did what, your, or your parents did whatever they could to support you selling property, whatever they may have done. It was an extraordinary effort to um, okay. support the, you.
2: The, the university that I joined, was a pri- I was a private sponsored student. And it, uh, for, for the course of five, five years and a half, those are 11 semesters, each semester we was paying $2.8 million. And my father is a peasant. I come from a humble family. However, we had a few property at home. We had to sacrifice a few for us for the beginning. But when I reached the third year, life was very hard. There was no money. And actually, I would stop schooling, but I was still performing in class. So that's when Mr. Perfect was informed and he intervened in and other relatives also. That's how I ended up. But uh, the truth is financially it was a challenge because there was a time when the literal the timetable is out, two days and me I'm not sure whether I'll do it because of his but he has always been uh rescuing me the last minute. I thank God for that
1: and him. Well that's a... Uh that's a great story. So what, what is your plan now? I mean, you're, you're getting invaluable experience. You're getting cases that you see. Currently. Where would you like to go next? So what is your dream? What would be a dream job for you?
2: I would wish being a person from a humble background. Actually, I like taking care of patients. But being from a very humble background, I would wish to get a highly paying job. So that I support the young ones who are coming because they need fees also. However, where young, I'm getting more and more clinical exposure because we are receiving interesting cases. However, the pay is not all that good because they are saying they'll be giving me around 2 million a month, which may not sustain me, my father, because I have to take care of the family back home and the young brothers and sisters. So, I would wish to get uh, greener pastures if possible.
1: Oh, I'm sure you will. You're, you're young, this is your early, very early in your career, and you're, it's only going to be like a step. You'll just take yes, the, next
2: actually, step, the next step. It's just the beginning. I'm just to school. This is just the beginning. To, to one, week, one month and a half old in the center. So, if I get greener pastures, better.
1: Yes. But still,
2: it is life fast. I prefer treating patients
1: first. Well, they'll be very lucky to have you working with them because you're conscientious and you know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I'm interested in patient care mostly. But now they pay, people have to pay fees. People are saying, here, this one, here, and have nothing. All the salary just And Now, when your life was trapped, when it sort of becomes a problem, well, the you, financial bit of it is a problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But patient care and exposure, I'm okay, I have no problem.
1: Well, there's a, a saying, at least in the Ruchiga language, Be mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Patience. Yes. Yeah, be patient, and it'll come. It'll come. We believe in that. And those who those of us who believe in you know that better days are ahead that will allow you to, you know, pay pave things forward, and even, you know, and support your family as well. So, Abraham, I, I appreciate your time and sharing your story with me today, and it's wonderful to see you again.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Patrick. I appreciate all the efforts, everything that you have been doing for me. Actually, I finished because of you. If you didn't come in, maybe I would have applied for a day yeah. and today I would still be in school. But uh, lucky
1: enough, I finished. Everything is okay now.
2: I'm now in
0: a working world. Mukama Simwe. Simwe A remarkable young man. When I met him in 2013, his uncle had asked me to bring a laptop computer from the USA to help him with his studies. And so I made arrangements and I, and I brought it to the house. And as I, I drove up into the compound and was just minutes away from meeting him, I don't know what got over me, but I just, I just had this plan that I would tell him that I was unable to bring it, even though I had it in the car with me. I, it, was, it was either a cruel joke or maybe I just wanted to see how he would react. So I told his uncle, Cleos, about it, the computer's in the car, but let's tell him that I I didn't bring the computer. And so when I got in the house and I said hello to Abraham, I said to him, Abraham, I'm sorry, I was supposed to bring you a computer, but I was unable to do so. And his response was very, one of of great humility. And, uh, you know, he wasn't upset or anything, but he just said, it was this sort of matter of fact, oh, I'm sorry, that's okay, type of a thing. And I don't know why I decided to do that, but within 10 minutes, I I fessed up to him, and I said, Abraham, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what came over me, but your computer is here. And I, I presented him the computer, and of course he was very, very happy. In subsequent visits to the house and whenever... In the subsequent times that I, I did meet with Abraham, he would show me these um, training videos. He, I think he got off the Internet somewhere, um, detailing, you know, some doctor's lecture on procedures, um, you know, some surgical procedures, and how well this computer helped him with his studies. I'm, I'm happy I was able to assist and bring them, bring him this you know, learning tool. I'm, I'm confessing to you, my audience, that I was somewhat silly to um, play this joke on him, if you will, this prank, but it was instructive because it just showed what sort of a matter of fact, what a, what a humble guy he is and if he remains. I think you, well, I hope you would have heard that and the uh, the interview that we just conducted. And, you know, we're happy to help um, Abraham get across the finish line, Team in Faith, Team and Faith and its supporters. We supported him for about a uh, little over three years with school fees to supplement what his family was able to um, um, raise from relatives and through sales of Properties of his parents it's a great achievement for him and his family if you would like to support uh, women orphans and vulnerable children through Team in Faith I encourage you to go to our website teaminfaith.org and there's a donate now button and you can make a tax deductible donation so once again teaminfaith.org help raise a new generation of uh, Ugandans and other East Africans to become uh, self-sufficient and allow them to uh, build careers that can sustain themselves, their communities, and their families. So that concludes today's episode of East Africa NGO. Once again, I am Patrick Hill. Thank you for listening.